You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Everything you need the Lord to be tonight, that's what He is. Amen. Everything. You don't need anything that He isn't. Amen. Everything you need is in Him. Thank you for coming to Bible study tonight. You may be seated. God bless the music tonight. Just a couple things to keep in mind uh, for the rest of the week. Prayer time on Friday night here at the church, 7 o'clock. Be faithful to the house of the Lord for corporate prayer. And then on Sunday is our fifth Sunday. It's also our unity service for our daughter work, satellite churches. So there will only be one service on Sunday. Um, but we'll be having uh, some special things take place in that service. And so you won't want to miss that. Also, if you would keep in mind and pray for Canada Conference, that happens uh, starting tomorrow, Friday and Saturday in Halifax. And so we'll be taking that in. And... Uh, uh, being back on Saturday for Sunday, and so looking forward to what God's going to do there as well. Amen. Thank you for being faithful to the house of the Lord tonight and all the ones that are uh, participating in the youth and the children downstairs, a couple other churches downstairs, and uh, thank God for all of our young people and our children. Amen. Thank you for your faithfulness. And we've been doing uh, a series called Skilled Leaders, and um, we're going through uh, four books that Paul wrote, Philemon and Titus, and to Timothy. And so we've been focusing on, on that. We're in lesson four tonight on skilled leaders. And we'll pick up where we left off last week. And uh, we, just, um, we just started into Titus chapter three last week. So we'll kind of pick up there. Put them, it says in verse one, in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. So we just ended it here last week where Paul's, uh, he's kind of exhorting that um, they were to be good citizens. Uh, even though the world they were in was troublesome, he said you need to still be a good citizen. Well, it hasn't changed. Uh, the world is still troublesome. But the church, people of the church, the family of God, the people of God should be uh, good citizens. Uh, our heavenly citizenship does not excuse us from being good citizens here on earth. And... Um, uh, if we look at uh, the world and all the negative things that are happening, yes, there's lots of, lots of things that we could uh, complain about, we could moan about, I suppose, or we can say uh, what the Scripture says. Where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. And when you look at these first three verses, Paul says, listen, there's, there's some bad things that have happened, but guess what? We were kind of in some of those places before we knew the Lord. 
And so it's important um, that we uh, show an example of how the grace of God worked in our lives. Amen. The people around you should see the difference that the Lord has made in your life. Amen. So that's where we ended last week. We pick up with verse 4. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Um, What Paul is saying, it was uh, the kindness and love of God toward us uh, that makes the the difference in our lives. Uh, So he says, listen, there's there's something that has happened to us. He's exhorting. Uh, he's, he's saying that there's good works that, uh, and this is actually mentioned throughout the whole epistle where he's talking about good works. Uh, but we have to have a proper perspective. Uh, we don't do good works to get saved. Uh, we have good works happen because we are saved. You can't do enough good to get saved, but when you give your life to the Lord, guess what? It will be an automatic result of your life. Our good works are simply our thankfulness for how great his mercy was in our lives. So what Paul is saying, he's speaking here, he gives two phrases, washing of regeneration, that's uh, being baptized in Jesus' name, and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, or being baptized with his Spirit. And when you and I are washed in the name of Jesus, and we are filled with his Spirit, We will show forth the mercy of God that happened in our lives. You cannot, you cannot be cleansed and filled with the Spirit and and not show what God's done in your life. Listen, if it happens to us that we become stagnant in that or we become complacent in that, we need a renewal of of thinking about how God cleansed us and how God filled us, amen, and allow that to work through our lives that whoever we come in contact with, amen, we are going to be skilled leaders. Remember what skilled leaders is all about. It's about being a positive influence. I want to be a positive influence to others because of what, the Lord has done for me. And Paul says to Titus, this is a faithful saying in verse 8, and these things I will that thou, uh, thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Uh, he's telling here that church people uh, are to stress uh, Uh, We're to stress each other. We're to stress it from the pulpit. We're to stress it as leaders to maintain good works. Uh, Since there will always be uh, people who would disagree with the discipline of discipleship, that's always going to be the case. There's always going to be the situation where people's going to have questions. But Paul says, listen, avoid the arguments entirely. Don't get caught up in trying to prove a point. I've said this for however many years. You never have to defend truth. Truth will defend itself. 
Let the love of God work through your life and be in positive influence to every person you come in contact with. And guess what? The truth of the word of God will defend itself. Amen. And Paul says to avoid. Listen, people who argue over minor areas of the Bible are nearly always covering for disobedience in major areas. If people get caught up in minor things of the Bible, they usually have major issues that they're dealing with that you don't know about. Because when you stop and think about how powerful God has been in your life, why would you want to get caught up in minor issues of arguing? <laughs> this, is, this is too big. That God's done too much. Uh, God's, God's been fulfilling too many things in my life for me to get my nose at a joint. attitude or become rebellious in some way because I am in disagreement with areas of the word. The big picture is much more valuable than that. I got to lay down even my preferences. It's not about my preferences. It's about his. It's all about him. And so uh, just remember that if some people are arguing about minor areas, they usually have issues in major areas. Uh, Paul goes on in verse 9 says, avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject, knowing he that is such is subverted and sinneth being condemned of himself. Uh, a heretic is literally one who causes division. And division is simply two visions. What does that mean? Well, that's someone who tries to get a following, going from person to person, trying to force others to take sides on an issue. Listen, they... Um, who try to get people to take sides on an, issue, on an issue are divisive. And the Bible says that you're to mark them. First of all, he says, listen, you give, you give admonition. He even says, warn them twice. And then, this is a pretty, pretty powerful statement when it says to disfellowship. <laughs> That's a pretty powerful statement now that doesn't mean someone can't get it right but he does says he does say because they are subverted or what that means is warped in character or in thinking and and will not stop trying to be divisive listen this is not the hour or the time for the church to be divisive we got one body and there's one church and there's one head and it's none of us <laughs> Amen. We just, we just get to be part of this wonderful church of the living God, which he is the head of. Amen. And, and this is nothing new. Jesus, Jesus uses the same thing. If you want to look at it in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. That means don't put it on Facebook. That's what that means. You don't. Tweet about it. You don't call someone that you know is going to be 
sympathetic to your complaint. No, the Bible tells us exactly what to do. If you have an issue with someone, you go to them and to them alone. That's what it says. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Now, that's a powerful statement. The reason why we do it alone is it's no one else's business. After two people who have had an issue get it settled, it doesn't mean, it doesn't need to be that ten other people have known. So when people yak about it, and people do get it settled, then there's ten people that still know. It's unnecessary. The Bible gives us clear instruction. Do it, and do it to them alone. If it's solved, you've gained a brother. That's what the Bible says. I'm only giving you word. Uh, but if he will not hear, then take with thee one or two more. Okay, let's, let's add a witness. Me and Brother Robertson are in a squabble. Not really, just. And so we can't get it solved ourselves. So we add Brother Beckerton and Brother Beckerton comes in. And now, brethren, you know how Brother Beckerton would do it. Where is he? Now, brethren, you know, this is, you guys can get this solved. Okay, just, just hug and make up. That's what the Bible says. You bring someone in. It's. Two or three witnesses. Every word may be established. That's what he says. Uh, he goes on to say, and if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. Like this is, this is Bible. And, 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 and if he neglect to hear the church, then uh, the Bible's pretty clear. Let it be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Don't allow it to continue to eat you up. So this is what, this is what Paul, Paul's going back to the same type of mentality that the Lord was giving. Listen, there's a lot of things that be, can be solved uh, by not uh, being divisive. If we're going to be a positive influence, you can't be divisive. You can't. Okay, uh, let's finish up the chapter here. Verse 12. He says, uh, when I shall send Artemis unto thee, or Tychicus, be diligent to come unto me to Nicopolis, for I have determined there to winter. Bring Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they uh, be not unfruitful. All that are with me salute thee. Greet them that love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. Uh, Paul chooses um, this epistle. Uh, with, he, he ends it, closes it with some personal greetings. And that's pretty common to what Paul has done. Uh, yet another reminder here, you see in verse 14, to maintain, he says, good works. He wants to send them uh, either Artemis or Tychicus to Crete to look after the church temporarily so Titus can come and visit him. He said, listen, here's two guys you can trust. Um, uh, let one of them look after. The Bible doesn't tell us uh, anything else about Zenos the lawyer, but we do remember Apollos. Apollos is spoken of. Uh, uh, he's an eloquent evangelist. Uh, uh, Paul writes in Corinthians chapter, 1 Corinthians 3 and 4, he says, uh, For while one saith, I am a Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Apollos, Apollos was uh, a very good evangelist, well known. 
And uh, this preacher, Apollos, who was being compared to and, and even at times exalted above Paul, he comes in under Paul, but he exceeds Paul in being able to preach. What a wonderful demonstration of how God can allow people to grow. Um, and, and, and Paul could have looked at this as this is competitive and I'm, I'm going to make sure that Apollos doesn't uh, get ahead or he sees him as a rival. No, that's not what Paul does at all. He actually does the opposite. He instructs Titus to diligently help him in his travels. Whatever Apollos needs, help him out. What a beautiful example of skilled leader or positive influence. I'm not worried about the people that we are influencing becoming better than us. <laughs> That's what Paul's saying. What a demonstration of how God has worked in your life when someone supersedes your talent. It's beautiful. Beautiful. And that's what Paul says. Listen, whatever Apollos needs you, help him out. Uh, uh, help him in his travels. And be sure that he is wanting nothing. Let me tell you, that's the opposite of division. The opposite. Paul's saying there's no divisiveness in the apostolic church. He says, let Apollos, who has become an eloquent, eloquent speaker, preacher, uh, surpass the person who brought him into the church. Give him what he needs to succeed. Oh, God, help us. Help us in the church to be of that mentality in every person we come in contact with. What a beautiful demonstration. That's how uh, he's ending this, this book. Uh, he says, all that are with me salute thee. Paul's life is constantly intertwined with others who are preaching the gospel and, and especially young uh, leaders and, and people who he's brought to the Lord. And Paul shares the, the gospel in, a, in, a, in the context of sharing life with people. And he says, listen, I, I'm, I'm giving them myself. And he's telling, he's telling Titus here, he said, discipleship is to take place in, in a community of believers. It's to involve every generation because, remember, good disciples make good disciples if you want a church to be strong and healthy help them become even greater than yourself what a blessing of being a skilled influencer and that's a that's the mentality I believe will be part of the end time revival church it will never be about who's getting credit and who should get credit. It'll never be about any of that. It'll be about a church that says we're going to do everything to lift somebody else up. And let me tell you, when that happens in the church, hallelujah, that's Bible. That's Bible. That's what, the, that's what Paul's teaching. He, he tells the church of Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 2 and 8, so being affectionately desirous of you we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only but also our own souls because you were dear unto us our goal was not to just to get you saved 
Our goal was to do everything in our power to make you be successful in the kingdom. That's what Paul tells the church at Thessalonica. This is the mentality of a true leader, a true influencer. And you see that in the life of Paul. And that's how he ends. That's how he ends the, the book of Titus. Now, this is, that's the end of the second book that we have studied, Philemus and Titus. We're going to jump into the first section of Timothy because first and second Timothy are the other two books. And Paul's, he's taken this discipling to the next generation. His central focus is, is uh, not just Philemon, uh, who his ecclesia, his church was in his home at Colossa, and Titus, who pastored at the island of Crete. But you'll notice that one-third of the New Testament was either written to Timothy or from Paul and Timothy. Out of the 27 books of the New Testament, one-third is either written to Timothy or from Paul and Timothy. That's, that's a large segment. And so this, this last section, not sure how many lessons it will take us uh, to get through, um, but you'll notice here um, uh, when you look at uh, Paul's lifelong investment into uh, the next generation, and he does that through uh, the life of Timothy, uh, this starts way back in Acts. Okay, so when we pick up the life of Timothy, it doesn't pick up in First and Second Timothy. We go all the way back to Acts chapter 16. And you'll notice in Acts chapter 16, verse 1, uh, Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish and believed, but his father was a Greek. Now, that's an important point. His mother was a Jew, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported up by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and look and took, I mean, and circumcised him because of the Jews, which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered uh, them the decrees for to keep they were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Uh, Timothy and his family uh, were most likely converted uh, through, the, through Paul's ministry when Paul was first at Lystra. And there's where we see back in Acts chapter 16. His mother and grandmother raised him to love truth, preparing him for uh, a very young age to be eventually called to ministry. And you'll, you'll notice that Paul experienced a very dramatic moment of being called. You see that in Acts chapter 9. I mean, he's, he's on his way to Damascus and he's struck down by a bright light. That's a pretty dramatic call. <laughs> Who art thou, Lord? <laughs> uh, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Uh, that's the beginning of Paul's ministry. Uh, you can imagine that's pretty dramatic when you're telling someone how you came into the ministry. <laughs> that's pretty dramatic. Uh, but Timothy basically grew into the ministry or grew into his calling. Some said Paul called Paul and Paul called Timothy. <laughs> um, 
what's interesting about how it worked with Timothy, it happens actually to a lot of people in the church. We just come to the Lord and we grow into what God desires for us to do. Not everyone is struck by lightning to become some type of ministry. It's because God saved us that we maintain those good works to influence others as skilled leaders. When you talk about skilled leaders, it's not talking about people who have a minister's license. It's about people who have had their life transformed and want to influence someone else for the call of God. You have to look in the Word of God Throughout the New Testament, no one had a minister's license. There was no such thing. No one went to meet the board to get approved. They all, they all grew into the calling. Now, you'll see in the life of Paul, who was Saul, yes, he had a dramatic conversion, and he's called to be a missionary, but you don't see that in the life of Timothy. You just see someone like Paul who watched Timothy's family come to the Lord and Timothy grow up to serve God and want to do the best he could to live for God. What a beautiful demonstration of being an influencer. So uh, if, if, if over the last few lessons, if you feel like, well, pastor, I, I, you know, I haven't, I haven't had an email from God to let me know I'm in ministry. You, you may never get one. Okay, you may never get one, but you'll grow into what God wants you to do. When I started on this journey myself, I had, I had no imagination that I would be standing in front of you this evening, pastoring, preaching, ministering. That, that was not part of my thought pattern at an early age. I felt, I felt the... Uh, something happened at the age of nine that I didn't want to be ordinary, but I had no idea that I would be standing here. God allowed it to grow. That's what happens. And so when you look at, when you look at what happened to Timothy as a young man, Timothy undoubtedly, he witnessed Paul's sufferings in Lystra. You can read that in Acts 14. He was, it, was, it was that he was drawn to the Apostle Paul later ordained to him to the ministry in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And he became one of Paul's favorite traveling companions and co-workers on his missionary journey. Paul just invested into the life of Timothy. And even, he even called him at one point his own son in the faith. It wasn't that Timothy was his actual son. He was his son in the faith. I, I've... I've given him what I have, and I hope he succeeds even more than I. That was the mentality. And so in the years that followed, Timothy played a very important role in the expansion and the strengthening of the New Testament church. He, he sometimes served uh, uh, as Paul's ambassador the, uh, to trouble spots. You see that in Corinth. Corinth was... Corinth was a church that had lots of issues. And, and, and Timothy come to came along and he served as, 
uh, as an ambassador with Paul there where the church had problems. He, he eventually became the pastor of the church in Ephesus in 1 Timothy chapter 1. And, and in no doubt, uh, uh, he probably joined Paul in Rome uh, shortly before uh, the, the Apostle Paul was martyred for, for the faith. So you see the life of Timothy has, I mean, it's got a lot of different things that he's learned yeah, we talk about how powerful Paul's missionary journey was, but he had a problematic church in Corinth. He had to stop, and he's going to pastor a church in Ephesus, and all you have to do is study that sometime, and you'll find out how much issues they had. And then he had to watch his mentor be martyred. So he has a lot of things happen in his life, but yet Paul has imparted to him because of being a skilled leader, the influence upon Timothy's life. And you see that. Timothy's first lesson in leadership came at, a very, at the very beginning of the ministry. And Paul has chose him to join the missionary team. And he had Timothy go through the Jewish uh, ritual of circumcision. And the action seems to contradict, actually, uh, the, the earlier decision of the Jewish council, which concluded that the Gentile believers did not have to be circumcised. And furthermore, uh, to require Timothy to be circumcised seems a, a bit hypocritical since Paul didn't allow Titus to be. But I want you to notice how he imparted to him influence. Acts chapter 15 and verse 28, For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that ye abstain from meats offered to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication, for from which if ye keep yourselves, ye sh shall do well, fare ye well. Galatians 2 and 3. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. So he wants Timothy to be, but he doesn't make Titus be. What is the reasoning for that? Seems like a contradiction. Doesn't seem like it's cons consistent. Seems hypocritical. However, there, there was an important spiritual principle that Paul's, uh, in Paul's decision and one that Timothy certainly needed to learn. Uh, Paul very clearly taught that circumcision had, not to, had nothing to do with salvation as the Jewish council had decided and declared. But precisely why he would not allow Titus to be circumcised because Titus was a Greek or a Gentile and that would have appeared to uh, uh, join sides with the Judaizers. And so he says, Titus, I don't want you. But Timothy came from a different background than Titus. We're clearly told in Acts 16 that he was the son of a Jewish mother and a Gentile father. Paul wanted him to work with the Jews and the Gentiles. And so Paul required of Timothy this act so that he could actually reach both cultures. Even though it was not a salvation issue, he said, Timothy, you come from your mother being a Jew and your father's a Gentile. And I want you to reach both cultures. And to be able to do that to the best of your ability, this is what I'm asking you to do. That's a quite a request. 
to a grown man. Leave that at that. Uh, it was not Timothy's salvation that was an issue. It was, it was his fitness for service and leadership and ministry. So why did Paul make that distinction? Because being an influencer has higher guidelines than if you're not. If I'm going to be a skilled leader, an influencer for the gospel, then I must be consistent in the guidelines I have for my life so that I'm an example to others. What does that mean? That means that I have to be the same on Tuesday as I am on Sunday. That means I'm the same around people who don't know the Lord as I am around people who know the Lord. That means my conversation does not take a change when it's with a sinner or a saint. That's what it's saying. That means that your acts in business are the same no matter whether it's to your advantage or disadvantage. Okay. Well, because if we're going to be the example God wants us to be, we got to be fit for service. I'm not wanting to be Christian in name only. I want to be Christian in my public responsibility to every person I come in contact with. I'm not interested in showing someone how to live for God on Sunday and them seeing me in the wrong places on Monday. There has to be something that rises out of us. If we're going to be skilled leaders, proper influences, then our life has to change when grace and mercy comes in contact with us. It's not just in word only. It's also in deed. It's not just what I say. It's actually also what I do. Let it be that the apostolics, the Pentecostals, let it be that life-transformed Christians act like Christians at all times. That means we should be on our best behavior. We don't downplay how we dress, how we look, how we talk, how we act. If there's certain things you can't do because it doesn't let you be appropriate, then don't do it. Well, you know, it's Monday and there's only 10 people around. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. Let it be that you're consistent throughout every day that your influence is skilled. Okay, everyone all right? Okay, 1 Corinthians 10 and 32 says, Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Don't let it be that your life is the reason someone's having trouble serving God. That's what he's saying. Don't let your life be an offense to someone. Listen, there's always going to be the 
crank pot in the, in the group. Okay? But the majority of people, don't let it be that my life is the reason they're not coming to church. Don't let it be that my life is the reason they don't want to be a Christian. No, let it, be, let it be that the grace and mercy of God is flowing so freely that you are a skilled leader, influencer. Okay, this is what also Paul says to the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, uh, 10 and verse 23. All things, he said, are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. What Paul's saying is sometimes I do things even though I know I might not have to. Just to make sure that I'm not going to be an offense. Paul's saying, I'm going to go the extra mile. How's that work? Well, usually it happens something like this. There's people lining up for the checkout. And you're in a hurry. And there may be a mother with a young child that's got first dibs on the next one or you. Oh, it can be that simple. It might just be a good idea to take a step back and let mom with the young child go. Do you see what I'm saying? You say, well, I don't, you know what? I've got the right to take the next teller, next. Yeah, you do. You do. You got the right. But is it expedient? Is it the right thing to do? You say, well, is it that simple, Pastor? It could be. It could be that simple, actually, that someone is watching just how you respond to giving up your seat on the bus. Do you know what I'm saying? It could be that simple, church, where it sends a message loud and clear. You know, I understand today we have a different mentality. If you... Open the door for someone. They wonder what you're up to. <laughs> but open it anyway. Greet someone anyway. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. Even though I may not have the time and I may be in a hurry and I just step back and say, I want to be a skilled leader. A positive influencer. See, Paul's epistles to Timothy, they continue his role of mentoring a young leader. We're going to pick it up in our lesson next week and when we start into Timothy. Chapter 1, you can go all through the book. I mean, he's going to give Timothy all kinds of wonderful instruction. Timothy, this is how I want you to be a skilled influencer. The church needs to rise to the top in how we influence people. Let it be that the waitress doesn't see you're cheap. 
Okay, I might get into meddling. I'm not sure. Let it be that the apostolics are good tippers. Say, well, it wasn't great food. Waitress didn't cook it. No, I'm, ser- I'm, I'm serious. Say, well, I can't afford to tip. Then don't go to eat. No, I'm, I'm, can't afford to tip. Come and I'll help you. No, we, no, I'm talking about being a positive influence in our city. See, it, we, sometimes we don't think of it in that simple of terms, but it is. Maybe the people that are in authority, police officers and security guards, why don't you just let them know every once in a while how good a job they're doing? Well, you know, there's a bad apple. Well, there's a bad apple in preachers. I hope, Dale, that amen wasn't for me. Do you know what I'm saying? There's always going to be one. Just let them know they're doing a good job. Our healthcare professionals and uh, do you know what I let the church rise to the level of being a skilled leader of influence. <laughs> well, okay. I'll finish it with this. If they see you in the world as a skilled leader, an influencer, they will see the love of God through your life. When you go through Tim's line, and it was longer than it should have been, smile at the person giving you the coffee anyway. Let them know you're thankful. You want it two peanut butter with your bagel and you only got one? Just take a deep breath. Spread it a little thinner. It's going to be okay. I'm just talking about being a positive influencer and allowing that skilled leadership of how you affect people you come in contact with to be positive. One last thing, Stan, I'll quit. Never stop taking time for the kids. And never stop taking time for the elders. I'm serious. If you want to be a positive influencer, talk to a child. Let them know you care about them. If you want to be a positive influencer, take time to listen to an elder. Say, well, pastor, I've heard the story 10 times. Listen to it at number 11. It's okay. Because sometimes it's just that skilled leadership that makes all the difference in people's lives. You know and I know when it comes to parenting, nothing affects you more than someone liking your kids. I'm serious. I'm talking about being a positive influencer in 2023. God, I thank you for this great church. I thank you for these wonderful people. 
I thank you, Jesus, for the lives that have been transformed and the grace that has been shown and the mercy that has been extended. But, God, we're wanting to be the most powerful influencers, God, that this city has ever known, that this generation has ever known. And, God, for us to do that, we've got to allow you to work in our lives like never before. God, we're wanting to get out all the things that are not of you, and we're wanting your spirit and, God, your compassion and your mercy and your grace to flow through us. We want to be a channel, hallelujah, for the power of the Holy Ghost. We want the love of God to be shed abroad in our hearts by your spirit and every person we come in contact with. That's what we want them to see. Nothing, God, superficial, uh, nothing put on but a genuine, uh, hallelujah, genuine, uh, Lord, move of your power and presence through our lives. God, we will be the best skilled leaders that we could ever be. Oh, God, help us, Jesus, to be everything that you want us to be. Hallelujah. Our next Bible study, we will pick up with chapter 1 of 1 Timothy, and we'll pick up where where Paul has given him great instruction on being a great influencer. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.